0: Page seven hundred nine and Philippians four is on page eight thirty two, but thanks, Brenda. Um
1: Philippians four twenty two is on um eight thirty two of your Red Pew Bibles. I just Exhortations I plead plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask, loyal Yoke Fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the Gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the Book of Life. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the Lord of peace will be with you. The next reading is from Mark 4, verses 1 to 20. The parable of the sower some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow but when the sun came up the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root other seeds fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear again sorry bear grain still other seed fell on good soil it came up grew and produced a crop, multiplying thirty, sixty, or even a 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. And ever hearing but never understanding otherwise they might turn and be forgiven then jesus said to them don't you understand this parable how then will you understand any parable the farmer sows the word some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown as soon as they hear it satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them others like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like the seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce crop 30, 60, or even a 100 times what was sown.
0: Well, let us uh, come before God in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for giving us your word, and we pray now that as your word is taught here in this room and also next door in the Sunday School in the hall, Uh, We pray that you would be teaching us all, helping us to focus on your word, think through what it means uh, for our lives, and we pray that we would be changed as a result. And so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't understand very much about advertising and marketing, but... uh, I do know about one of the simplest formulas for effective advertising. It's called the five P's of advertising. Can I tell you what the five P's are? Uh, The first P is for promise. No. The first P is for problem. Uh, A problem that you have in your life. Think about those ads that we've seen on TV, there's a middle-aged man, he's all alone, he's uh, looking sad, he's in black and white, Uh, he's uh, dressed in daggy clothes and you guessed it, he's also bald and that's his problem, he's bald. Uh, The second P stands for promise because life doesn't have to be like that. You don't have to be bald. There's no reason why you have to be alone and colourless and daggy and bald. You too could have hair. The third P, of course, is product. Uh, Take a couple of drops of Grecian 2000, pour it on your head every night before you go to bed or get yourself the limo treatment and your life will be changed. Uh, The fourth P of course stands for proof. And there he is, same man, six months later. He's colourful, he's well dressed, he's muscular, he's happy. He's surrounded by beautiful women half his age and he's got a full head of hair. Then there's the fifth P which is push. Dial this number in the next 30 minutes and we'll throw in a free whatever, free set of steak knives. There you go. The, 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 <laughs> a, free, a free hairbrush. <laughs> uh, the five Ps of advertising. Problem, promise, product, proof and push. We've all seen ads like that that uh, promise to solve the problems of our lives. With all respect to men who are losing a bit of hair, I don't think that baldness is one of the real big problems in life, is it? What are the real problems in life. I think it's more, I don't understand how men go bald, but I think it's probably, if you, if you could put it this way, it's more the, the issues that might cause someone to lose their hair or to get wrinkles or to age sooner than they feel that they should. It's those things in life that cause us to worry, uh, to be anxious. Uh, The stresses that we have in life, those things that burden us. You got a few stresses in your life? There are a few burdens on your heart? We worry about things, don't we? We worry about the health and the safety and the security of our children, Uh, we worry about the health and the safety and the security of our parents, Uh, we worry about the present, Uh, we worry about the future. Uh, We live in a society where, although uh, a government report issued a couple of years ago said that uh, in Australian society we are wealthier than we've ever been, we've got more comforts and more products than we've ever had but they say that we're a stressed out society. People worry. We're worried about the present, we're worried about the future. Have you looked at the newspapers during the week? You're worried about your superannuation as the stock markets have melted down? As we turn to today's passage in Philippians chapter four in verses six and seven in particular, we're told do not be anxious about anything but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What do you think about that? Paul's uh, solution uh, to our problems is to pray. That's what he says. Now, what do you think about that? Do you think that sometimes that might just come come across as being a little bit too slick? Does it sound a little bit like, you remember that song from many years ago? It says, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Anyone like to come and sing it for us? <laughs> don't Worry. You know the song, don't you? Don't Worry, Be Happy. And you, you think about that and you think, oh, you don't understand my problems, you know. That's superficial, it's shallow, it, uh, it doesn't deal with... How is it that prayer is the answer to our problems? Now, last week we began this mini-series on prayer and Peter... Helpfully outlined for us the big picture. Uh, He talked to us from the Bible of how it is that uh, our human sinfulness has fractured our relationship with God, but that Jesus, through his reconciling work of dying and rising again for our sins, has brought us back into relationship with God so that we can have fellowship with him, so that we can talk to the creator of the universe that's the big picture this morning what i want to do is i want to unpack just a couple of these verses from philippians chapter 4 and help us to see uh, paul's solution to our problems so can i get you to open up your bibles now at philippians chapter 4 if you wouldn't mind doing that Philippians chapter 4, and you'll find that on page 832 in your pew Bibles. Let me just sort of outline a little bit about Philippians. These Christians who lived in Philippi, they had a few things to worry about. Uh, As I've scanned through Philippians, there are two big issues that would have caused anxiety in their lives. And uh, one of them was the threat of uh, false teaching in their church. They were at risk of being led astray by false teachers. I'm not sure how anxious they were about that, but Paul was certainly anxious for them. And that's in chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. But secondly, and this may have been the big one for them, uh, they were being persecuted because of their faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, we see that in chapter 1, verses 27 to, to 30. Now, mind you, persecution for them might have been a bit different to persecution for us. Right? Um, what, what, in what ways do you and I get persecuted for our Christian faith? You'd have to be honest and say that it's fairly mild persecution, isn't it? I mean, we may get... Uh, Uh, frowned upon, we might get uh, scoffed at for uh, believing in God and believing in Jesus and standing up for a Christian view of life and morality and so on. But in the first century persecution was very, very physical. Uh, It involved physical suffering and it may even have involved death for some people. And so these Philippian Christians had every reason to be worried. And so in that context, again I ask the question, is Paul's advice just a little bit too slick? Uh, Would someone rightfully be able to say that Paul was just a bit unsympathetic to their problem? Don't worry about your problems, just pray. Well Paul understood persecution actually. In fact uh, when he wrote this letter, he wrote this letter from a prison cell. He was in jail. He was in change. He had had his liberty deprived from him because of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's got credibility. We need to take seriously what he's saying. What is it that he says? He says, do not be anxious about anything. It's not just the small trivial things in life that he's saying, don't be anxious about, it's the big ones too. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. Now, uh, you'll notice there that there are three words that Paul uses that seem a little bit similar, don't they? He uses the word prayer, petitions and requests. Is there a difference between the three of those things? Well, to some extent there is. I mean, prayer is the is the overarching, the umbrella idea. When we pray to God, we might be uh, bringing uh, our praise to him. Uh, we might be confessing our sins to him. Uh, we may be uh, thanking him for the gospel. Uh, prayer is the overarching uh, term. Um, petitions, though, that is when we... Uh, we bring our needs to God and uh, requests Well, that's when we make specific requests asking God to fulfill and to sort out our needs so there are some differences but there's an enormous amount of overlap there as well because uh, what it's saying is that uh, no matter how big no matter how small your problem is. Uh, Whether you've lost your credit cards, like a certain 18-year-old in our family thought he had done the other day. (laughs) Uh, Or whether you've got a family member who's just been diagnosed with terminal cancer. The point which Paul is making is that the way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. And so he piles term upon term, uh, prayer, petition, requests, to emphasise that point. Now, unlike the advertisers, Paul only has three Ps. Problems, prayer, and promise. Now, what does he promise? What's the big promise here? Does God promise that if we pray to him that all of our requests will be uh, will be met Uh, does he promise that he will take away all of our problems no he doesn't what does he promise let's have a look at verse 7 I'm going to read verse 7 for you in verse 7 the promise is this and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Philippians would have understood the concept of, of being guarded. Actually, Philippi was a Roman garrison town. There were soldiers all over the place in Philippi. But that's the promise, that the peace of God... Which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does it mean? Well, that's the question I would like to focus on this morning, and uh, I'm going to do so in two parts. Firstly, let's think about why we pray. Um, Why is it that we bother to uh, pray to God? What is it about God? that means that we pray to him. It seems to me uh, that there are four very good reasons why we should bother to pray. You might be able to think of more, but I can think of four, and I want to share those with you. And it, it's all about God. First of all, we know that God is powerful enough to deal with any problem. He's all-powerful. Secondly, we know that God is loving and that he will do what is best for us. Thirdly, we know that God is wise so that he will know what is best for us. Now, mind you, what God thinks is best for us may not be what we think is best for us. Um, Sometimes, uh, very often, God will give us exactly what we ask for. Have you had positive answers to prayer like that in recent times? It's good to actually reflect on the things which we do pray and then actually count back and look back at those and say, hey, God gave me exactly what I've asked for. But sometimes what we ask for in God's wisdom may not be best for us. Part of the reason for that, of course, is that what is best for us is that we would grow in godliness, that we would become more humble, more godly, more faithful, more obedient, more trusting children of our Heavenly Father. And sometimes that'll mean that God will, uh, will not give us what we want. We may even be allowed to go through some more suffering because he, he wants us to teach, to teach us to be humble and to depend on him more and to grow in grace. Fourthly, we pray to God because of the gospel. And because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done for us, we know that God listens to our prayers. So God is all-powerful, he is all-loving, he is all-wise, and he listens. Do you want any better reasons than that why you should pray to him? These are good reasons, and they're all rooted in the character of God. Now, we may have great burdens in our lives. Um, The Apostle Paul had great burdens as well. Think about what his burdens were. He loved the Philippian Christians, and he knew that they were being persecuted. Uh, One of his co-workers, a man by the name of Epaphroditus, we're told, uh, had been sick and nearly died. Uh, Paul knew that the church was under threat from false teachers. Uh, And Paul himself was in prison. Now, that's not a great situation to be in. (laughs) But in the midst of all of that, there are two words that keep on coming up in the letter to the Philippians that really, uh, to me, jump off the page. And they're the words rejoice and content. Rejoice and content. Uh, Paul wrote from prison, and yet in uh, chapter 1, verse 19, he says, Yet I continue to rejoice. Uh, In this passage here, uh, in verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, Later on, uh, down in verse 10, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord for the gifts that I've received from you. Rejoice. Uh, Again in uh, chapter 4 verse 12, he says, I've learnt the secret to being content. Uh, In every situation, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor, I'm content. And there he is sitting in jail. Now what do you think his secret is? What is the secret to contentment and to joy? How can a man be content and be full of joy when all of this stuff's going on around him and he's sitting in a prison cell? What's his secret? Well, I think it's this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think that's the key to his contentment. The key is to present your requests to the God who is all powerful, who is who is all loving, who is all wise, and who wants to listen to you. Now, I don't mean to trivialize this, but I, I think it's a little bit akin to if I can illustrate what I think this is. What this is like, I think it's like uh, the. The the, the child who is distressed because something has happened, Um, maybe a toy is broken or something, whatever it is that's caused the child to be distressed, something's gone wrong for them, but, but they take their problem to mum and dad. And mum or dad wraps their arms around them, and what happens to the child? They calm down. They start to Relax. More confident. Why are they confident? Because someone bigger than them is now sorting out the problem. And that's the peace that we can experience when we come to God in prayer. Have you experienced that peace? Well, what does Paul mean when he says that this peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus? That's an interesting concept. Um, secondly, well, I think what it means is that our relationship with, with Jesus will be protected. Um, think about it this way. What happens to the person who claims to trust in God, but who never hands their problems over to God in prayer? What happens to a person like that? I wonder if you might come with me to the other passage that Ravinda read to us, and that was from Mark chapter 4. Uh, And it's the the parable of the sower. Now, you remember the parable of the sower, don't you? Uh, Jesus uh, told this story about a farmer who is uh, scattering his seed to sow his seed. And the seed represents the word. Represents the message of the gospel. Now there are four types of soil or surfaces that the seed falls upon, and the soil represents the heart of the hearer. Some of the seed, we're told, fell on the on the pathway, the uh, the earthen pathway that the uh, farmers would walk along. Uh, and what happened to that seed? Well, birds came and plucked it away and took it off, took off with it. And that represents the person who is who hears the gospel, but they don't do anything with it. They don't give it a second thought, and it might as well not have been shared with them. Some of the seed we're told fell on rocky soil, and uh, it it grew for a while because there was soil there, and it shot up pretty quickly, but in the end it didn't last very long and it's like the person who hears the gospel and says yeah i believe the gospel but as soon as it gets hard to be a christian they pack it in they don't want to know about it they fall away but some seed we're told fell amongst the thorns and that's what i want to uh read for you it's in verses 18 and 19. in verse 18 Listen to what Jesus says about this, this seed. He says, Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life... Now, in the Greek, that is the same word that Paul uses in Philippians for, for being anxious. Right? They hear the word, but the worries, the anxieties of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The worries of this life, the desire for other things, and what's that mean? That That's lack of contentment, isn't it? That's not being satisfied with the things that God has given. The worries of this life and no contentment. This is the person who believes the gospel but what do they do with their worries and their unfulfilled desires? Do they hand those worries and those unfulfilled desires over to God and experience peace? No. No. Now, when we have problems, of course God wants us to try to work them out. He's given us a brain He's given us hands, so that we, you know, if if you get sick, what what should you do? Well, you should pray and go to the doctor. Right? We don't have any of this. Just pray and forget about all medical help. Okay? That's not the way that God has made our world. Right? If you get sick, pray and go to the doctor. What about if you you're poor because you haven't got a job? Uh, well, you uh, you pray and you go knocking on doors looking for a job. <laughs> All right? So uh, we our, our prayers and our work go together. But what Jesus is describing here is the proud person, the person who claims to be a Christian, but really they depend on themselves. And the very nature of prayer is that it is an act of humility, is an act of saying that, I cannot deal with this situation by myself. I need help. The proud person doesn't want help, doesn't want to accept help, doesn't want to ask for help. And so therefore, they do not pray. Now such a person may then try to solve their problems in a purely human way. They may even resort to ways that do not honor God, that uh, involve sin. Or well, they may become overwhelmed by their anxieties and their problems and become bitter towards God. In the end, the worries of this life and the discontentment end up kind of twisting themselves around this person's life like a strangler vine or, or around a tree, and they just choke the life out of them. So that as Jesus says, they become unfruitful. And Jesus elsewhere says that those vines that are unfruitful will be cut down. You know, uh, in um, James chapter 4, I like James, he puts it pretty just straight between the eyes, James does. And you see, in James chapter 4, verse 2, he says, uh, you do not have, guess why? Because you do not ask. Right? Simple as that. Sometimes, over last 20 years or so of ministry, I've occasionally come across a a brother or sister in Christ who always seems to be worried about things, always seems to be worried about small things, things that for most of us we wouldn't be so concerned about. And sometimes, uh, you know, we all worry about things at times, don't we? And we can get anxious and we can get a bit short-tempered and uh, overly concerned and overreact. I know I'm a bit like that, sometimes around the house, ask my family. When I see it constantly in someone's life, where they're worried about small things, and that leads to complaining, that leads even to bitterness, a bitter spirit, maybe getting angry with other people. Well, try to spiritually diagnose that and uh, I come to the view that what I really need to do to help this person is to help them and to encourage them to develop a close and intimate prayer life, to actually be setting aside time in their day uh, for the Lord where they can just be bringing their anxieties to the God who is powerful enough to sort them out, the God who is loving, the God who is wise, and the God who, who will listen. It's a spiritual issue, anxiety. Contrast that, I um, uh, know of people who, usually older people who've walked with the Lord for a long time, who have uh, uh, really been committed to developing a regular uh, daily time of prayer bringing all, 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 all matters to, to the Lord in prayer. Uh, there's a man in our congregation who uh, is like that. I know he's like that, a man of prayer. He's very sick at the moment. Um, I went to see him last Sunday afternoon and uh, to be honest, I, I thought his life was on the line. I didn't think he was going to make it. Uh, The Lord brought him through. And uh, by Tuesday I was talking with him. And he was happy. Even a bit chirpy. (laughs) And and he said to me, You know, Scott, I've just got so much to be thankful to God for. He said, I know that this is the last chapter of my life. And... uh, you know, Jesus has died for me, he's risen again and I'll go to be with him in glory. But he's brought me through this heart attack (laughs) and uh, I've got so much to be thankful to. He said, I really thank God for my family and uh, you know how people in hospital can sometimes complain about the hospitals and the medical staff and the food? He said, it's so good here and he said, the the doctors, they're, they're so professional and and, the, uh, and, and they've had the students looking at me, and they're so well-trained. And this man's a doctor. Sometimes the worst patients are doctors, you know. But he's a Christian. He's a man who's learnt through all of the trials of life uh, to bring anxieties and concerns before God in prayer. It's part of who he is. So therefore, staring down the barrel of death, He had peace and contentment and thanksgiving. I need to spend more time with people like that. What about you? What I'm saying is that that just doesn't happen like that. That happens because of the regular spiritual discipline of taking things to the Lord in prayer, casting our anxieties and our burdens on him good times as well as through tough times okay well next week what I want to do is I want to um, talk about some specific things that the Bible teaches us that we should be praying for I'm going to look at some of Paul's prayers or at least one of Paul's prayer but I want to ask you this question and uh, it's the question how is your prayer life going Are there things in your life at the moment that are causing anxiety for you? Family matters perhaps? Are there issues that you're having to deal with at work or at school? Is there a fractured relationship that's caused you worries and concerns? What about your health? What about the health of those you love? How the finances going? You worried about that meltdown? Do you have financial pressures on you? What's on your heart? It is right to be concerned for those things. Um, I don't think Paul is saying here that you should just never be concerned. That's not what he's saying. Paul himself was greatly concerned important issues. It is right to be concerned about those things. In fact, to not be concerned may be responsible. But our concern ought to lead to prayer. We ought to take those concerns to our Heavenly Father. And in His sovereignty and in His wisdom and in His love, He might cause us to actually continue to do it a little bit tough for our good. But when we bring those concerns to God in prayer, our hearts and our minds, we're not going to stray away from the gospel because we know that someone who is infinitely greater than us, infinitely wiser than us, infinitely more loving than us, heard our prayer and will act according to his good plan and purpose and we will be guarded in Christ Jesus and we'll be able to rejoice and we'll experience that peace that human wisdom could not sort out human wisdom could not fix human wisdom cannot even understand it's the peace that comes through being connected intimately with the creator of the universe. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your character, for who you are, that you are a great and sovereign ruler of the universe, That you are all powerful all knowing all loving all wise and that you even listen to us. Father there will be